welcome back. This is Chris McIntosh, and you are listening to the Capitalist Exploits Big Question podcast. Interesting times, my goodness. Okay, so today I'm speaking with a wonderful gentleman who is also a client of mine. A client of mine. Um, he is the one and only Christopher Weber. He's the managing director of Global Freight Consulting which trades as, trades under the name of Global Freight Trading. And Chris has got a very, very deep background in the physical commodity trading space. He's traded multiple commodities in the dry bulk space. Um, he's also grown and developed both physical as well as financial trading platforms for a number of uh, startups in the industry after beginning his career at Louis Dreyfus Commodities. Chris has held leading managerial and trading roles in the space while living all over the world, working in Asia, Africa, Europe, and he's just recently returned back to the US of A, um, having traveled for business as well as pleasure to uh, about 100 countries. Um, he's got the most incredible diverse group of global contacts and um, a real passion for economics. And so needless to say, we get along very well. Chris is a super interesting guy. And also, like me, really enjoys fitness and working out. So um, today I hopped on the call with Chris, um, recorded it for your pleasure, and I hope you enjoy our discussions all about the coronavirus, the dry bulk space, the energy space, and much more. So hope you enjoy. It's interesting you say that, Chris. If you think... One of the biggest issues that we've had, and, and this is well before this virus came on, on uh, landed on our doorsteps, one of the big issues that we've had is you don't know who to trust anymore because there's been so much corruption and there's been so much misinformation. Part of that has been fueled by social media because it's very easy to live in an eco chamber in social media. Oh, yeah. I don't like someone. Their views stink. I'm triggered. And you just either unfollow them or you, you know, barrage them on Facebook or whatever the fuck it is that, that these people mm -hmm. do. And so there's an ability to live in an echo chamber and only follow the views that those of, you know, whatever it is that your particular viewpoints happen to be. Um, and there isn't been the sort of trusted or any trusted or there hasn't been a single point of information that can be trusted at scale in, in the, you know, old world, if you will, when you and I were teenagers, I guess it was, um, it was government largely in most, in, in the country you've lived in most of the countries that you and I have lived in, um, call it the developed Western world. And yeah. that has just increasingly been disintegrating. Um, and now we're at this point with this crisis and, you know, it's interesting because I sit there and it's like, People just don't know who to trust. And so there's a there's there's very smart, intelligent people who are sitting there going, Oh, who well, up until recently who are looking at this going, We think it's a hoax, we think it's a conspiracy, it's we, we think you know, there's all these differing views. And from people that wouldn't necessarily be conspiracy theorists or anything of that nature. And the yeah. and the reason really is just because nobody trusts information sources anymore. Um and and that's you know, that's, that's not helping anybody get prepared um, because, you know, uh, and so from my viewpoint, I've just looked at it and I've gone, okay, forget about what people are saying. Let's just look at what the actions are. You know, so it's the old, don't do as exactly. I say, do as I, as I also don't do as I do, do as I say. It's like, I don't really care what you're saying. What are you doing? <laughs> and, and in that respect, yeah. when you look at what China did, um, you could argue that part of that was as a consequence of their history um, with, with SARS and things of that nature. And they, they certainly, they, you know, it appears like they held back on giving a lot of information. But then at the end of the day, they shut down like 80% of, of their industrial capacity. And you would have to think that, you you know, you wouldn't do that regardless of who you are. You would not do that unless you had fair reason to believe that it was necessary. Um, and 
you know so so when i when i saw that i was like okay this thing this thing is important like i have no idea about viruses i have no idea about um whether this one is some killer zombie flu or i i don't know anything about that and i don't think i necessarily need to at this point in time what i what i can see is that the second largest economy in the world literally just closed their doors and the world's manufacturer just shut their doors. And that's significant. Whether you think it should have been done or whether you didn't think it should have been done or you think it was the fucking CIA who built this zombie virus or whether it was like, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is what has been done. And so then I was like, okay, this thing is worth considering as to, you know, um, what are the implications? Not not so much what is the virus, because again, I'm never really going to know. <clears throat> um, and or, or when I do know, when we all know exactly what this thing is, it's going to be over, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, and then and then you know I've been tracking closely all of the trajectories of the various countries and how they've managed it and so on and so forth. Um, and so you, you start quickly compiling data. Um, and from that, you know, I look at it and it's, it's the old asymmetric bet um, where you go, okay, the risk is, um, the risk is that a country, for example, chooses to ignore it and says, ah, should be right, mate. Um, and then you yep. have something akin to that, which we saw in South Korea. And it wasn't necessarily that the South Koreans actually took that approach. I'm not suggesting that they did, um, but they were certainly slower to act um, comparative to say Taiwan or Singapore. Um, and, and then they had clusters. So you could argue that they were unlucky, but nevertheless, you had a pretty fairly catastrophic time type of outbreak in South Korea. And I was like, okay, well, you could have that. Um, or you could take a much more stringent approach um, and shut down things, um, which is going to be economically destructive. Um, and and that was kind of my initial, you know, view of it. And I didn't quite know what was the best strategy. Um, but as soon as those numbers started coming up, then you could quite quickly see um, that, you know that not doing something about it was not a particularly great strategy, not necessarily because like people talk about the the mortality rate and that's to a certain extent, that's not really the issue so much in that your mortality rate can change as a consequence of your ability to handle the actual epidemic. Um, And that's really just with a, with a, with a healthcare system gets overwhelmed. And so now you're, you know, your old guy who goes in there because he needs a hip replacement or something else doesn't get it. Or like you have a car accident um, and those people just can't be treated because the beds aren't available and the, the resources aren't available because they're dealing with all these other issues. So in that respect, it's a little bit like a war, you know, in a war, people would die from unrelated things to the war just because there weren't resources to deal with them. Mate, just like, I mean, go back, obviously world war two was a, and one was a, significantly different time frame, and you didn't have antibiotics in World War One, and so on and so forth. But, you know, things that should never have been deadly became deadly just because you didn't have access to, um, to the resources that you would have if it wasn't a wartime. And so you can quite quickly shift into an environment like that. And that's the bigger risk um, than, than anything else. Um, and then, of course, there's the consequence what? of that in, in the, you know, uh, in the economic world. Um, and that is of the holy shit variety. So, um, anyway, let's, <laughs> um, let's get into, into your world. Um, what it, I mean, obviously I think this is pretty much the only thing at this time that matters because it affects every industry that one can think of. And it's going to affect many industries on a go forward basis um, to a greater or lesser extent. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, from, from our industry standpoint, we've had a, 
continual inflow of, in essence, government intervention, um, you know, causing massive consequences, whether that be trade war, you know, IMO 2020 or other misguided policies. Now you've got another situation where you're going to have the government again stepping in and dictating, you know, how long a boat can be in quarantine for, when do they consider to have free critique, you know, so whether or not these are logical conclusions or steps uh, being made can have dramatic implications, right? I mean, obviously capital from the industry was already limited, but with it going out of the door for everywhere, you can imagine an industry that's already been starved of it, that things get interesting in due course. In the meantime, you know, you can expect a lot more volatility, you know, as China tries to put it in a very uncertain footing, you know, because uh, again, they can uplift on this again and also have some more panic there. But as they try to get back to work and get themselves going, they are the driver for dry bulk, right, at least. Um, so you will see at least some semblance of demand. It may come in spurts, but right now there's still demand destruction going on in a heavy basis, and we still have a huge supply side story this year. You know, next year and the year after, like we've discussed before, uh, especially 2022, you know, it gets a lot better, at least from the supply side, you know. But meantime, you've got a, you know, you've had a lot of issues with weather. You know, you've had all these other governmental things. And now, again, we're subject to kind of mandate and policy, right? You know, people say, I'm not going to Italy. It have huge repercussions. If a couple of these boats, you know, have actual issues, then you don't know how bad the quarantine policies will or will not get. Are they going to abandon ship? How long is that boat going to be kept out for? You know, uh, right now you got guys going full speed because fuel prices are cheap again. All these guys like Golden Ocean or otherwise, not to point to anyone in general, the book scrubbers, you know, those spreads compressed massively. So they're not making the money they were. And they took on, you know, debt for that in large part for many of these guys. Um, some of them own scrubber companies. So, I mean, the, um, the amount of uh, investment into, you know, these other misguided government policies like IMO 2020, which is, again, nice in theory, but probably just a distribution of uh, pollution elsewhere or shifting of costs onto, uh, you know, general populace from, big companies that can profit from bigger margins in theory, you know, doesn't smell, doesn't really spell things very nicely for uh, our market. I think, again, people will destock as best as they can, and we're all in a just-in-time world, right? And, and that is problematic, especially when you come to supply chain talk, as you've rightfully continued to hammer on uh, as we've gone by, right? So, I mean, short to medium term, we're going to have big volatility as the West tries to figure itself out, the panic hits the general news headlines as people get caught up with what the reality of the situation is, you know, and for me, even like, you know, I say, for instance, you know, I've been last week and this week just staying at home and, you know, trying to get back in touch with the family and starting to cook it. And I haven't done that in years. Right. But, you know, we're not now going out and wasting a ton of money on food. I'm, you know, we had extra food. We save it overnight for the next day, you know, like I'm not, there's not as much waste or spoilage. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of the guys who are producers, I spoke with one guy, you know, who sells to a lot of uh, a lot of buyers out in the Middle East and Far East. And he said, OK, you know, they already have some of the purchases on. They're all sitting back and waiting. You know, they're going to do just in time inventory trading and placement um, because they are concerned uh, that people and their lifestyles are going to change. Right. And they're not expecting anything that's going to be a massive recovery just yet because people are going to be very tentative kind of going forward. So, you know, the demand will come in spurts. Um, end of the day, you know, if people don't have, you know, credit lines or financing and things get tighter, never really helps the business, right? Especially when you're in a liquidity driven kind of world, right? If that money isn't there, it's nice that Fred can, Fed can go take rates to zero or negative, but end of the day, businesses will get hit. You know, the, the random guy, you know, who was out buying food like me, maybe he's not doing that anymore. Maybe the guy who, you know, needs money from his pension or who, can't go work his restaurant job is going to sell his stocks, right? So, you know, in general, there is a risk off sentiment. Freight gets sold when that happens. It's going to create some really good opportunities, I think, on the back end, um, you know, as people kind of just de-risk. And, you know, we already are generally in a very volatile environment from our side on a day-to-day basis. It's the most volatile pretty much commodity in the world, right? Uh, with, you know, embedded fuel prices or otherwise inherent in it, right? So, from our side, you know, I, I see this stuff and these moves of 10% in a day are nothing, right? Um, it's big for the general populace used to a 1% or 2% move in a day. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it, it can be the new normal. You know, when you suppress volatility and you try and control markets by controlling the price of capital and money, you know, this stuff does happen when things break, you know, um, whether or not we like it or not. So, 
it's going to be a really interesting ride, I think, for us. Uh, the next while, you'll definitely see some guys who put on bad positions get penalized. You'll see guys who need to put on risk get penalized. Uh, most guys are, if they can, trying to take off risk and uh, and wait and see because, you know, whether it's the fuel oil prices or the cost to actually hedge them or the premiums that are moving around like crazy, uh, it's just a bit of a, a chaotic mess, right? You know, and if coal doesn't come back and China's producing a lot more coal maybe than they were before and their burn is lower, you know, it's going to be problematic. So there's a lot right now going against the industry uh, short term. I do think it's it's not a bad thing. And the fact that you won't see money flow toward it, which will keep the orders out and maybe scrapping will get higher as steel prices remain pretty high. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, expect volatility, as we've discussed before, for this industry, and like, and which is the normal anyway um but expect um some people to get washed out and carried out which will create good opportunity as time goes by in the medium to longer term you know and are you seeing anything on the institutional side there where um okay so there's there's obvious demand destruction what are you in and we're what i guess we could say two months into this in terms of when it sort of really um, started getting, yeah, yeah, catapulting forward. What's happening on the supply side? Are there any, um, any moves? You're seeing delays in kind of, yeah, you're seeing kind of delays in in the deliveries, right? Some of the yards are not working at full capacity, you know, so you will see that happen. I don't think you'll see any real cancellations. I don't think I've heard of any real force majeures on the production yet. Uh, you know, maybe it means we'll roll back some of that supply into 2021 instead of 2020, which has an abundance of vessels as we discussed. Um, you know, so the supply side, again, will still be heavy regardless. You know, right now, you know, it's nice when you say, okay, well, some people will just say, okay, you replace one boat with another new one, but these other boats are 25% bigger, you know, or whatever you want to go with, 20% bigger. So, you know, there's more carrying capacity and, and kind of less current demand. Again, I think, you know, China will we'll try to set in a little bit of a base as time goes forward and restocking ensues for the demand side. But yeah, supply side still has a general overhang from the current situation, let alone the deliveries due over the course of this year, right? Those aren't really going anywhere, um, but there is some disruption as to what supply is coming on and you will see increased scrapping because it's now cost to run your vessel, right? You're well below operating costs. Um, so without a real recovery in, in uh, demand, you know, where we'll see prices stay lower longer and that can, you know, hurt some participants. Those boats probably won't go away, uh, you know, but in the meantime, it's kind of the case. So there are issues with crewing and things like that, though, as well. And again, we can get congestion from these quarantines or other related uh, events we've been seeing. Right. So maybe some of the supply gets taken away. But again, if, if we've got boats going faster, there's more days that could be, you know, in essence, carrying cargo. Right. So you have some offsets. You do have some positive, you know, aspects from the supply side, you know, uh, but it's not like it's enough just right now with the current demand shock again um, to really make it so that this can be absorbed. And what about your average, well, I say average is not average, um, balance sheets and things like that. So the ability for, you know, the larger players, shall we say, to remain afloat during a, de- a period of demand destruction. Have you got any sense I mean, of what that looks like on a time frame and, and the extent of, like, obviously we don't know. I quite. don't, but I don't know exactly right. Um, the issue you'll have is that, as again, we discussed shipping is a bit of a weird industry in the way that the people handle it. And a lot of these guys would have no problem with having their share prices tank taking the, the company public, uh, private and just saying, screw it, right? Um, mm. And I think there are guys out there who have no problem with that, who have enough money so they can say, cool, I got a freebie from the investors. Now the company's bust, you know, here we are. And I think that's what you may see some of happening um, coming up, right? You know, some guys are, are fine from a capital standpoint, um, but, and they do have credit lines, but who knows how that all goes. I mean, I, I don't think that the, the balance sheets of any of these companies has been great. It's been one debacle after another. You know, there's been a few months and periods of good times, but then 
if you're forced to invest in things like scrubbers or otherwise because of policies and you know then the world goes apart (laughs) all your investment strategies go to to not right and you have no payback period you just get screwed (laughs) so i think um that's where you find a lot of these guys even the smaller players who put on scrubbers they look like geniuses for the first you know couple yeah, months yeah. of the year are part of it and now it doesn't look so good you know yeah. uh, and again it's you know uh, we like to say chance favors a prepared mind but this is not one of those ones where people prepare for this situation right uh you know especially when you're planning a year two three four back you know so this is just one of those um you know out of the out of left field or or right field whatever they say um events you know that that, that wreaks havoc and I don't think that the the industry is well capitalized enough um, or well set up to actually navigate this if this extends for, you know, call it six more months even, right? And we don't know how long that's going to last. But even on a, even no. if it was half that, um, there will be pain to be felt, presumably. And then I guess that we move into the next stage, which is the supply destruction side of things, which we've, you know, we've had some of that. And obviously IMO 2020 um, was really just as, or has been, and, and presumably will continue to be a supply destruction component. Um, but now it's come on the back of something that's, you know, you like, yeah, there's, there's more demand destruction than there is supply destruction presumably in the market. Correct. Correct. Right. And like, there just won't be the order book growing because no one knows what to invest in. No one knows what to do, which again is why I think, you know, 2022 is, is particularly more interesting because there is no order book and I don't see who's going to have money to really do the trade. Um, and all the guys, you know, all these funds who got in again, thinking they were smart, got wiped again and crucified. So, you know, um, it, it's the same story that we keep saying and it's just like, you can't uh, catch a break. But I, I do think when, it comes back. It'll be interesting once more. Uh, but you know, it's it's kind of nice that people don't want to touch it with a ten foot pole, and I can't blame them. Uh, either some of these guys have been robbed by some of these uh, economo types, and um, you know, other ones are. Uh, sorry, two seconds. Um, one second, here, one second. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's going to be pretty uh, pretty hairy out there. Yeah, I mean. You- Nobody could have seen this coming. And we had prior to this, as you mentioned, some of the guys who went and installed scrubbers started looking kind of quite smart um, because you had, you had that inevitable supply destruction. If anything, if everything carried on ticking away as it was, um, we already had a, a setup in the market that was, was um, you know, relatively bullish, one could say, just because if you could figure out who was how many vessels were actually, you know, coming off as a consequence of IMO 2020. Um, and then, of course, we've had um, a lot of the shipyards have been closing. You know, it's just been one thing after another. Um, of course, well, no, can... S- no S&D analysis or anymore, right? It doesn't matter, it seems, you know. No matter how good your projections and forecasts are, there's either some government nonsense or there's viruses, right? So it's just, Yeah, it's and, and I mean, the, the, with the latter being something that nobody could have seen coming um and you know now with it's just in weeks or months it's on us and um and this um there's not much you can do about it so <clears throat> your chris your background was in um you know uh, trading commodities anyway is, is is that something that you still monitor at all or you're just more focused on the dry bulk space now uh, dry bulk stuff, but of course we still monitor everything else around it, right? Uh, whether that's macro or the other commodities, whether it's iron ore or whatever else, you know. I mean, all those spaces are having, you know, big impacts. You're seeing iron ore be more resilient right now, right? Because again, you're seeing China not having massive stocks and they're coming back and they're taking that, right? And their industrial activity seems like it's going to start gearing up. And we both know that the monetary and fiscal policies and stimulus are coming hard and fast, right? And that's not just in China. It's going to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, which will lead to interesting opportunities, right? So despite the negativity, there will be some positive and interesting aspects, you know, ags and everything else is going off, same with, with gold, but like these are, when everything goes, it goes, right? If you're in a liquidity situation, people will sell yeah. money, yeah. you know, to, to raise capital, to go against their margin or otherwise, right? I had a conversation yeah. with a, a close guy who's been following this stuff way better than you and I have on the virus. And I was like, you know, it's nice 
and it's the right idea to have a, a safe haven, but there's no such thing as a safe haven when everything gets sold. You know, it's like a, it's a whole different type of environment. And I've seen it before. We saw it in 2008, you know, and, and we see it all the time, you know, freight behaves like this. It doesn't make a difference if your position is right or your S and D's are right or whatever else it is. You can get taken out very quickly. But that's when, when the opportunities yeah. present themselves. And if you understand oh, what's going on, then, then you can, you either, you either weather, weather that volatility and acknowledge yeah. that you're, you're, you're diving in and why you're diving in. You need to know what you're buying, why you're buying it. Um, and you're yeah. quite right. Like the first issue of, of safety um, is to run when a lion comes at you. And then the second issue is to then, you know, hide or protect yourself behind some, you know, um, building or some, whatever it happens to be. And so it's the same. That's the scenario right now is the run is just liquidity. It's like you have to have liquidity to pay your bills, to yeah. make margin calls, to whatever. And so you essentially have collateral calls. And that's, um, you know, as I was talking with a buddy of mine, Tim, um, on a channel that we, uh, we share ideas on, and he's very bullish on gold. And I was like, Yep, you got you. You need to know that why you're buying it. But really, the first step of events is a liquidity-driven event, and then once because yeah. the central banks are always a little bit behind the curve, and then they'll come in with the liquidity provisions, um, and then you start moving into the safety side of things, right? Um, yeah. And so um, then your store of value becomes an issue, or, or becomes something that people can focus on because they've solved the quote unquote solved the liquidity issue. But it's always a liquidity issue first yeah. and foremost. Um, and I fear that there is still more of that to come with respect to, you know, essentially the, the financial plumbing of the world right now. I was talking with a, um, a gent last night, late last night, um, who works for, I won't mention exactly who they are, but a very large um, institution over in Europe, liquidity provider um, with you know, and they're moving billions around and they, they're frozen up. They're basically frozen up. And so, um, because yeah. no one wants to take the other side of their trades. So there's an issue there. Um, and that all translates into the credit markets as well. And so when, when these liquidity providers can't provide liquidity in the market to the banks and the banks won't take the other side of their trade, um, it just, it has this knock on effect. Um, and again, all of that becomes, a liquidity issue. Um, and so yeah. in that environment, it doesn't really like gold is, is, you know, you can have, um, and, and I think we're seeing this, like we had gold at $1,700, uh, what, two weeks ago. Um, and then got smacked yep. again. And, um, and I sang to my, some of my staff here, cause they were going, Hey, look, you know, gold 1700. I said, yeah, be careful. Um, we, yeah. you know, you're going to get a collateral call, yeah, and it doesn't really matter yep. what, what you know, you can have the best bloody asset in theory, but in a liquidity crisis, it doesn't matter. You've got to pay your bills, and so everything gets called. It doesn't matter what that is, and so even from a fundamental, even fundamentally though, like if oil prices and energy prices go down, everything gets cheaper, right? So your cost of production goes down. Like you know, let's just say it's not that. You know, so I think, yeah, there's a lot of factors that go against it. And, and you know, obviously the derivatives, the liquidity and, uh, and the options, I think, are a, a massive tell on the overextension we've had, you know. So, like you said, I think, I think you're calling it perfectly here. So we've got this window, Chris, of, of chaotic, um, we'll call it price discovery. Part of it is price discovery, um, or should we say the inability to adequately discover price. <laughs> Which is no, well, um, I guess yeah. If you don't if you don't know the price of money, then you can't actually price anything, right? I guess is the underlying premise. So um, yeah, good luck asking anyone what the price of their money is right now. I bet. Well, that's the that's the difficulty is that when you can't price capital, and and really by pricing capital, you're talking about interest rates because that's the cost of mm -hmm, capital, and and that yep. has been so manipulated. You know, certainly yep. it was pre pre GFC, but post GFC has just gone to extreme levels. And so they've manipulated that, um, that pricing of capital and credit to the extent that it's, it's created distortions in, in so many multiple different asset classes. I mean, just on a, you know, for anybody listening there, I, on the 
most basic level when you go and you say, okay, I want to buy a house and if I'm going to take out a mortgage, then how do I go about that? And, and what does that look like? And for many people, they, they get lost or, or they discount the, the total amount that they might be borrowing because they just, they'll go to their banker and they say, well, hey, I've got an income yeah. of, let's just say for arguments, like 150 grand. And, you know, mm-hmm. what is it that I can do? And they turn around, they just do their numbers. And most of the time, the bankers don't know shit anyway. They just, you know, some no. <laughs> desk jockey that can run his bridge. Nice and said most of the time, at least. That's pretty good. <laughs> so so they'll turn around and they'll say, oh, well, you know, in this environment, here's the current interest rates, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, we'll give you, you know, um, $700,000 or something, you know, in a, in all of that space. And so, you know, the, the dentist, the plumber, the, whoever the person is borrowing money doesn't stop and necessarily go, oh, well, does that make sense to me? They go, oh, well, the bank said that it's fine. I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. Yeah. I, can have, I can have faith in them. They wouldn't lend me the money if they didn't think that I could pay it back. So I'm sure it's fine. And so they, they go in their mm-hmm. merry way. And guess what? They can pay. Why? Because interest rates are pretty low until they're not. Right. And so like we're in that environment yeah. now where, where essentially the market is trying to reprice the cost of capital. That's really what it comes down to because the cost of capital yeah. translates into every industry. So would you finance a dry bulk ship now? Well, it depends on the cost of capital and it depends on a number of other things, but, but that's, that's a, a significant um, component within it. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's, we're paying the price. We're paying the price for extreme distortions in the pricing of capital. Um, and no one could have ever guessed that it would be something like a, a virus because, you know, you're always looking for some other typically financial related aspect that will bring it to its fore and, and, um, and reveal some of yep. the imbalances. And, and what's interesting this time around is like this, this isn't sector specific. It's like, you, you know, yeah, it's everything you, you, and everyone, it's, right? It's like everything. My wife went it's everyone. To the doctor today. Yeah. Yeah. My wife went to the doctor today and they're looking at closing shop next week, potentially. Um, I mean, so people who have to get things done, you know, even from things like doctors, they're like, I don't know if I'm going to stay open. You know, it's only a dermatologist, let's say, right. But at the end of the day, there's massive issues, right. And then this, this issue is still not being, sorry to diverge a little bit here, mm. but issue is still not being taken seriously. Like if you want, I can tell you a really harrowing tale, at least from my standpoint, and I know it's true. And it's a bit of an issue. Um, up in New York, in essence, um, it's like almost hard to talk about this. Up in New York, there's a patient that came in, let's just say, on Monday last week, right? Um, this patient was an older person, you know, preliminary diagnosis, though they were worried about it, was they got pneumonia. You know, preliminary diagnosis came back, I think it was on Thursday of last week. Uh, they said, okay, preliminary test is negative, right? Come Monday, well, at that time, they told the, the people who were around the woman, listen, self-quarantine, don't go out, don't do anything, right? So what do you know they do? They arrange parties, they go out, they're out drinking. These are people in direct context of a potential case, right? Mm-hmm. So for some of them, some of them are responsible, some of them weren't, right? Next thing you know, on Monday, test comes back. Uh, sorry, sun, I think it was Sunday, Sunday. Test comes back, uh, she's actually positive for the virus, right? They say, unless you showed symptoms, so far, you're allowed to go back to your normal thing, no worries about self-quarantine. So they had a self-quarantine on the people when there was a preliminary negative, but when it was a known positive, they said, no worries, go back to your normal daily routine, either because they want them in the hospitals, because they know they need them, or because they're just grossly mishandling this. So you've had people who've been wandering around New York City doing this. I also know of a, of a case, you know, which I can't describe too much, where South Koreans who were in the alleged cult were wandering around in, in uh, the Midwest and in Manhattan uh, several weeks back, right? So they were supposed to be under self-quarantine uh, or were thereafter, so they actually abided by it, but these people were already probably out and about wandering around. You know, there's been no real controls here. There's been nothing properly handled um, you know, having these test kits is a reactive thing, which benefits some of these companies, in my opinion. 
but I don't see how unless you take proactive measures like China or other guys have, how this is going to actually get much better. But the handling so far and the downplaying of it from people who are pretty intelligent uh, that I know is, is, is somewhat concerning, you know? And I think that's why this can get way worse here um, than it currently is. And then it makes people panic more. So you get people panic about their portfolios and their money to add on to the, you know, chaos of what's going to happen with my job, what's going to happen, you know, in general with my life. You know, people don't think, okay, like that one of the people who should have been quarantined, they didn't think about if they give it to your mother or my mother or whoever else, you know, it's a simple kind of broad selfishness. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of there. It's there's, crazy there's a, for me to see. I'm just like blown a, away. So. There's, there's a social responsibility that's, that comes with it. You know, it's like my, um, you know, we're, we're not even, uh, we, we've got a, a couple of registered cases in New Zealand. Um, however, if I look at those trajectories, you know that for every, you know, um, say three or four cases, you've got about at least 10 yeah. times that, um, probably more. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. And so we, we, we know that it's here, but we don't know the extent of it. And so I was like, our kids are at home and no one else is actually doing that. And I'm like, they're staying at home. And it's not, it's not because yeah. I'm concerned that we, like kids for starters, don't appear to be significantly affected by it. And if you're healthy and you're yeah. you know, under the age of you know, 60, you're probably fine. My wife and I are um, super fit, basically. Um, we, we eat extremely, you know, we're, we're, we're very diligent on, on fitness and health and everything else. So yeah, we can well, easily I, make I, that care argument. Of that we're you can take care of others, you know? But that's, that's not the point. There's this, there's the, there's a social responsibility. Um, I've got, yep, uh, sure. you know, there's grandmothers, grandparents, grandfathers, um, neighbors that are, um, you know, aged and um, and or just not healthy and it's you know so um you've got to try and flatten that that distribution curve um and that's you know we again we've already got the stats to see what is required to make that happen and yes it's uncomfortable yep. but my god it's a whole lot less um uncomfortable than the alternatives which is short-term pain for the long-term gain that's a hundred percent um and so you know, that's, um, I guess it's one of those things where it's, for the most part, in the Western world, we've experienced a, an extraordinarily long period of um, both wealth generation, um, just in terms of um, economic standard of living um, rising, but also uh, relative peace. You know, so anytime there's been a war, for example, it's always over there. Like it's 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 never something that really affects you. It's like ah, it's just yeah. You know, they're fighting in the sand Around. again, or it's in Somalia, yeah. or it's it's in Afghanistan, and it's in these places that you know many and most people have either never travelled to, never will travel to. Um, cultures completely different, and so they just it's it's, a, it's it's not seen or even thought of. And this was treated in the we, same we, way. We, this was treated in exactly yeah. the same way initially. And it was only when it hit in Italy that the Western world kind of went, oh, hang on a second, Italians are a little bit like us. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is strange because it's not like Asia is a shut-off place. Asia's, you know, super in interconnected and there's, um, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it has become an economic force in its own right of, of real significance over the last couple of decades. Um, and so you would have thought that there's enough interconnectivity there with the rest of the world that um, that 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 knowledge transfer would have taken place more rapidly, but it didn't really. Do. It was, you know, we did a, we did a webinar with a, um, a couple of us, I guess about three weeks ago, and we were all sitting there going, "This doesn't make sense. China's just shut down the fucking economy, and no one cares." Um, like what's yeah. going on and and at the time it was like yeah it's a Chinese problem um, and it was only really when it started taking off and, and then of course South Korea got hit and it was still like yeah Asian problems just funny people with you know yellow skin it's not us who cares and then the next thing it was Italy and then people were like oh Italians oh yeah there's a big diaspora in 
in the US, of course, that is, you know, Italian. And so there's a much closer yeah. connectivity. And suddenly they're like, oh, maybe it could be, it's kind of like us, <laughs> you know? And, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's, yeah. um, you know, what's surprising to me is that still we're what, 50 days, I guess, since that, since that real, you know, uh, well, since the Chinese basically came out and said, hey, guys, we've got a problem. Um, yeah. And in the U.S., they're still just like not really, like they've had plenty, you guys have had plenty of time to get get your act together on this, and you yeah. haven't. And then Britain's, Britain's just as bad. Britain's like, um, I mean, Britain, it's, their, their healthcare system can barely stay afloat as it is. <laughs> they're so screwed because they they're just letting it play because they have they, no way to handle it, right? Like, it's a disaster on a normal day, let alone, uh, as we discussed before, let alone, you know, with a situation like this. And the USA won't be able to handle it either. And that's the concern also is, like, uh, they're not getting ahead of it. And they know they need to get ahead of it, but they're not taking the steps to actually be proactive. And that's concerning. And the thing is, yeah. even... Like, like I've heard in Italy that they do have um, recourse for people who are known to have it or have been around or exposed and supposed to be under quarantine if somebody else dies and you could be held responsible. Now, I don't know if that will actually ever transpire. And obviously, if you're asymptomatic and these things, you wouldn't know. But that being said, like, there should be some sort of repercussions. I mean, everyone has the world at their fingertips now. You can go online and order food to your home. You can go online and watch hours of YouTube or whatever makes you happy. You know, like you can keep yourself entertained for a few days and not put other people at risk. I, I don't see why it's such a big deal. It's not like back in the day, you know, where you could go out and rummage for food, you know? Yeah, but look, you can I mean, literally get it delivered here. So that's, that's the thing. Let's put this into perspective, Chris. We're, if you're, if so you're quarantining <laughs> yourself, like you said, you're sitting at home in a warm home. It's, there's not bombs coming through the fucking ceiling. Right, there's your water's water running. and electricity. <laughs> like, if you compare it to what our previous generations have been through, this would be bliss. This would be absolute bliss. Yeah. You're sitting at home with with the the most enormous amount of entertainment and ability to educate yourself. Should you choose to, I mean, you could literally mm -hmm. you could study pretty much any online course you wished and much of it is free. You could go into Khan Academy you could learn algebra. Look, you could do anything you bloody wanted. Um, yeah. As you say, with your, at your fingertips. And so the idea that, no, this is too difficult. This is not, not something that, um, like we have literally the best setup the world has ever had to be able to actually flatten the curve of a virus like this. Um, mm -hmm. We, we, we quite literally have the best situation because we also have so much more in terms of robotics and machinery and so on and so forth. You know, um, like I was looking at um, a, in a neighborhood that we used to live in some months back um, and all the rubbish truck drivers come around and these guys don't even get out of their rubbish truck. They've got a mechanical arm that just picks up the bin, tosses the stuff in the back, drops it back down and off they go and they just keep going around. You know, and so like there's, you could argue that the guy is basically self-quarantined inside his cab. He drives around and he does all the rubbish. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. So, you know, he can protect himself. He can wipe down that, that vehicle before he gets in, right? To make sure that it's, um, like it's fucking fumigate the thing. Um, if he wanted to go in, do his job, come home, done. And it's like the extra steps that would yeah. be taken there to, protect himself and to protect others who might use the truck after him are really minimal. Like they're really minimal. Yeah. Um, and so we have the ability in many respects to do things that we've never had the ability to do in the past um, because otherwise you'd be out there picking up each rubbish bin and then you go, okay, how many rubbish bins does he pick up? Let's say it's 400 and there's 400 people who've touched those rubbish bins. What's the chance that one of those people is infected and then he picks up the infection. It's pretty fucking high. So then you, you know yeah. what I mean? And we just like, so we've got all these Correct. technology and tools that can mitigate those risks um, much more significantly than we've ever had before. So the only real excuse to, to not doing this is laziness um, and or yeah. an inability to understand the consequences of something of this nature. And that's, I think, the biggest risk because in the Western world, we've never for a long time now not had consequences. Um, if you, 
you like so i was chatting with another buddy of mine who lives in bali and um in asia they've they've dealt with difficulties right because for starters there's not a social um welfare system in many countries <clears throat> some countries have it but many countries don't and so their social welfare system is essentially family um and they're used mm -hmm. to putting up with hardship and dealing with it and figuring it out um and there's a there's a risk there because in the west we are not used to that we, there's there's a and there's a much higher as a consequence there's a much higher um reliance on government to to do that and you could argue that a government is is potentially more effective in in, in doing that like a, a national healthcare system um and that's true but the flip side to that of course is that then people don't take that same level of responsibility because they don't need to because it's it's taken care of um which is sort of fine when the government has the ability to do that unfortunately we're going into this crisis now with governments that are completely broke yeah uh, they're, they're broken they're broken right they're completely inept and they're not doing a very good job this is globally right <laughs> it's not just one place or another which is the crazy part that's right. I guess the right. totalitarian ones look a little better right now if they can actually slow this down. And <laughs> the democratic ones, where everyone's got an opinion, uh, you know, we'll see how that all goes. You know, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a shame to see. But I think again, like you said, there's a lot of positivity that can come from it. You know, to spend more time with family. Uh, you know, self reflection. You know, self betterment. Uh, you know, learning how to not waste all your time on a commute. You know, um, there's a lot of good things that can happen. You know. Uh, it's a more normal way of life than most people have experienced around the world in general or previously, you know. So I think we'll all be fine uh, if we can keep our wits about us. But, I mean, even today, I can tell you that some of these stores, you know, because I know some people who are uh, are looking at this, you know, the AR-15s <laughs> are apparently a pretty hot commodity because there was 25 in a small store uh, here in Florida. And by the end of the day, there was zero. Um you see, so that's, that's you get what, an idea how people are handling this. It's crazy, right? It's not a, yeah. it's not a, <laughs> it's, it's a respective like, way. It's a let's arm up because it's all hell breaks loose and it's the end of the world. The world's not going to end. The world could end up being a better place. It's not a fun ideal. Many people will be impacted uh, in a negative fashion, but this sort of stuff is what can make it escalate um, and pretty rapidly. Well, uh, I, I understand again preparedness, but like. It's where it comes back to a situation like what we have is unfortunately we've developed a society of people that are um, inappropriately or inadequately tooled with dealing with a crisis. Um, and I don't mean yeah. that in physically, but I mean that mentally, right? Again, you come back and you look yeah, at a lot, of the, the, <laughs> a lot of the developed world, they've, they've had, you know, crisis after crisis that they've had to deal with. You know, I lived in Asia for a while and like they deal with, so like when you had the 97 um, Asian crisis, Thailand, for example, um, you know, they dealt with, there, there weren't people out in the streets fucking chopping each other's heads off or shooting each other or anything of that nature, right? They went through an economic pain and, and, yeah. and, and they dealt with it typically on a family level, you know, you had large extended families that came together and just, you know, they did what they had to do to feed each other and everything else. A lot of the people in the city in Bangkok would go back to the villages. And so you had this ability for society and almost at a decentralized level to cope with it. Um, and, and what we've had yeah, in the West, because you've got increasingly more socialist type setup, people expect uh, the government to take care of these things. Um, and not only do they expect the government to take care of them, they think that the government should be there to take care of them. And that's kind of troubling because yeah. when, when you realize that that's not necessarily going to take place or it doesn't take place to the extent that those people think it should, then they freak out. I mean, it's like the most um, egregious example, I guess, is all of these, these kids that, you know, get um, upset because they're called the wrong gender or because someone has, has said something that they find offensive and they want to legislate against yeah. it, you know, and, and it's like, now you've got a real crisis on your hands. Not, not because somebody yeah. called you a poofter or, or something that you just weren't happy with. You, you've got a real problem on your hands. How are you going to deal with that? fragile right now. 
Yeah. And and then you've got on top of yeah. it, you've got a country that's that's armed to the teeth. Um, it's pretty hard to like. You certainly couldn't do what China's done. No. Yeah, no. And, and the people will go crazy about it, right? So it's and the problem is, it's even if you try to avoid it, trouble can come to you, right? I mean, having lived in South Africa, again, as we've chatted about, you know, uh, that's the problem. You know, it takes one guy who ran out of food, who's worried, and then wants to look out for his family, and, you know, he comes knocking on your doorstep, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so it's, it's, it becomes one of those things. End up, end up seeing, right? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm not a violent person, um, but in, you know, growing up in. So when I was in my last years of high school, I was. Um, I was running a small catering operation, which is a bit fucked up because I should have been studying. But anyway, I was a bit entrepreneurial. <laughs> Long story okay. short, I drive around there you go. Johannes. I drive more important than studying, right? I yeah, think. I learned more. Um, but I drive around Johannesburg um, at midnight and then, you know, checking up on uh, parties with, uh, with staffing that would do catering, bartending, you know, all that kind of nonsense. Anyway, and, and I drive around. Um, you, you wouldn't stop at traffic lights, you know, because this is too, too dangerous and um, and you needed to be armed as well. Uh, and it wasn't because you, it's like you're doing it just because you have to do it, right? Um, and yeah. to a certain extent, yeah. it's a little bit like that now. Like you've seen people running out and clearing the shelves of toilet paper and like, the toilet paper thing I don't get. I'm like, just... <laughs> I don't get that. Um, <laughs> well, like, the, only, the only reason all I would things that you that can hoard. reasonable proposition, well, if it allows you to not be in contact with crazies that are out there that are responsive to dumb government policies, then I can kind of get it, right? Because it's just a way to avoid, right? If there was an actual policy or, or sensical thing around it, which you can't trust the government to do, so be it. But I do understand in part where people are coming from on that part, right? As dumb as it sounds. But, like, if well, you can limit your exposure to the crazy, it's not a bad thing for a little well, bit. Well, what it, what it does is when you see everybody else doing it, you, you know, there's a part of you that goes, hey, that's, that's not necessarily rational, um, and so I'm not going to no, follow that. Not, but right? then, but then, but then when, you, when you think it through, you realize, well, um, you know, if I don't participate in that, then I also, I too will have, then I might actually have an issue of not enough toilet paper. Or whatever yeah, the case exactly might be. right. And it's so there's a self-reinforcing, you know, mechanism there, yeah. which at a, at a very basic human DNA level um, triggers you off and you, and you realize that, you know, survival is the first, first and foremost thing that, that mankind is. Um, yeah. Is wired to. I said the food's more important than pee pee, but you know. <laughs> I, I agree. I 100% I agree. Um, and you know, um, it's <laughs> there was a there was a video that um, uh, one of my uh, one of my staff sent me from Australia, which is which kind of just showed how disconnected some some of our societies become because there was this video of these um, people just freaking you know loading up their trolley with food but it was it was all like corn chips and and fritos and like (laughs) it was just like you know um and you go okay fine i guess that stuff lasts like you can stick it in the cupboard and you can eat a year later and it's probably fine because it's in a in a vacuum packed bag but it's not actually food folks (laughs) you know that's no 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 nutrition there guys all different category you ain't gonna feel too good from that after a while either. So. Well, yeah. So, um, but in, interesting times. I mean, as it, just to circle back to the um, uh, the the shipping space. Um, what are you seeing? I mean, one of the things that we've been um, buying hand over fist is the is the, the tankers, um, and then really that's just as a concept. Well, it, it's one of those things where. You know, you sometimes you get something right, and it's not, and it's for reasons that you didn't even anticipate. Um, because yeah. what we didn't anticipate was the um, was the price war with Russia, well, not war, the whatever you want to call it. Um, but well, it's more, it's more government, right? Just again, outside 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 policies, you can't expect to happen, right? Yep. How does one say, "Oh, this is going to happen"? They're going to drop the price of a barrel you know, by X amount of dollars, how do you know that's going to happen? You don't, right? So no, again, it's better no. to be lucky than good uh, in trading. Yeah. Sometimes it seems better to be both, both if you can, but you know, better be lucky yeah. than good. I mean, so the, tank, you, the tankers one, you know, is, in, is interesting, any, I think. I mean, 
I know people who trade crude oil uh, yeah. heavily, you know, they're positive on the space again, because the, the carry makes sense. Um, so people will book these DLOCs and it'll have roll on effects. Right. So, you know, when oil does poorly, these tankers do well, uh, assuming none of these guys get washed out of their trades because nothing recovers or rebounds and they're forced to liquidate because they got issues with capital. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it can be a double-edged sword, but it's for tankers in the meantime. I mean, yeah, it's uh, sunshine and lollipops for those guys, you know, because it's floating storage, and that's a way to re- reduce supply, right? And, and as we know, the most people have been investing yeah. in the space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I mean, it's it's and it's it's movable, right? It's not like oh, I got to put up a you know big facility to store all this nah. crude I'm going to buy, like the USA yeah. or whatever else. They got tomorrow. I'm going to move it to China. They are going to back in the market again. You know, cool, cool. So people will be trading that and, you know, they can also trade different products around and everything else. So I think it's a it's pretty interesting space for the next while um, as we see how kind of these uh, oil price wars uh, play out. Right. It's Do just, you have a uh, sense? But who knows? Maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow the Saudis in the U.S., you know, collude and it goes to 60 bucks again and it all gets dumped. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, it's like a, it's a bet on it's a bet on a government policy continuing. I do think they want to put the shell guys out once and for all, as you've so well noted. Um, so you would think this needs to go on for at least six months. The financing just won't be there with this circumstance this time around. And uh, maybe Trump tries to bolster it, obviously, with these reserves purchases. But and again, it can only go so far so fast. I'm not driving anywhere the next three or four weeks, right? <laughs> so they can take yeah. my appeal, I guess. And then, um, yeah, there's, so there's, a, there's, there's the political element to it as well. I think if Trump was to... Yeah. Um, gauge the political sentiment around it. Bailing out large oil industries probably not the smartest that move that you'd make in an election year. Um, yeah. And so, well, I mean, if they want stagflation, we'll get it anyway, right? So, <laughs> I think we're going to get it anyway from from multiple other fronts. Yep. Um, because yeah. the the policies that 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 they're they're making and going to make, um, and the monetary and fiscal stimulus and so on and so forth is going to isn't going to bring back real demand. It's just going to, um, it's just going to commandeer it essentially. And we know that, you know, yeah. government operating and running anything is an, is an inefficient way to, to do anything. And, and if that That's wasn't true, you and I would be speaking to each other in Russian and we're not. So we know, <laughs> you know, so, well, um, <laughs> and so that's, I think we're going there anyways, um, with respect to the whole oil side of things, it's a, it's a tough one. And certainly wasn't something that anyone could have necessarily predicted. What we do know is that, you know, Russia has been, they, they've put themselves in a very unique position um, in that they basically de-dollarized their economy. They've been buying enormous amounts of um, gold reserves and they can actually let the currency slide and take the, take the currency hit yeah, which is exactly. which is good for them because they're exactly. getting paid in dollars and their opex is in rubles and so they're in a Correct. very unique yeah. position in that respect yeah they said they could do this before right so it's it's not something new to them you know they're well prepared so. and and the other thing is that the russians russian people in general are kind of used to having um a bit of economic pain um there's also the political side of things you know putin basically just signed himself another few years so he doesn't have to worry about the political side of things and whether there's any opponents out there who might use a stagnant economy yep. or anything of that nature against him. Um, whereas the U S doesn't have that, that capability. Um, and no, so luxury is not there. Exactly. Um, and so on that front, you could, you know, you could argue that I guess, even if, <clears throat> even if Trump bailed out shale and kept, um, kept them in operation, that that would maybe uh, like that may it may only last us um, as long as the elections and and who knows what happens in the elections. I mean, I had always felt going into this prior to the, the virus um, landing on our doorsteps that Trump was probably going to win. Only just insofar as that you know his opponents just seem so incredibly incompetent. Yeah, so weak. That's just Correct, like yeah. you just looked at it and you're like, is that just it was almost like a comedy show, you know, like the comedy channel. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's bad enough having Trump up there, but then you looked at his opponents and you're like, holy shit, this is incredible. And so, um, yeah. however, given, you know, what's happened now, there is, I think, a real risk that um, that he might not actually win. Um, this could yeah, be I mean, I, his I Katrina. I, was, I had this conversation of, 
I had this conversation like a month ago with someone. I was like, yeah, I'd pull your bets against Trump, uh, Trump uh, not winning, you know, maybe a month and a half ago or more. And I was like, there's no way. I don't, I just don't see how the heck he doesn't pull it off. Cause like you said, everyone's inept, right? Yeah. And that being said, the, the sentiment has changed massively. And I just think he's handled this situation so poorly yeah. and tied himself to the economy slash the stock market so much yeah. that, it's, there is he, no real you, legacy besides complete and utter destruction on all fronts. Trade war plus whatever else. It's at the end of the day, yeah. he made his entire presidency around the stock market, and he yeah. can't not own it. And it's now, um, you know, we've reached 1987 levels, and 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 we haven't even start, got started. So that's a very difficult oh, and the, one. And the, fed, and the feds, remo- the feds removed the scapegoat. They took race to zero effectively. Right. So they'll take a negative probably. So yep. who are you going to blame, you know, at the end of the day for general mismanagement over the last while. Right. And I, yeah. I don't think that he's done everything bad. You know, I'm not a, I'm apolitical. I don't really like any of these guys because yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of them should be running countries, but uh, you and I aren't there signed up trying to do that. Right. So, no. uh, you know, I, I think um, there's, it's going to be a massive issue for him. And I, I don't see how he possibly wins this, even if someone like Biden is the, uh, is the alternative candidate who is um, like, he's a, he's a, he's a better sketchy and odd and a duck as you can imagine. <laughs> you wouldn't want him touching anything, you know? So, yeah, well, I mean, you've got Biden and you've got Bernie and it's like weekends at Bernie's was, was meant to be a comedy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine just... if he took over with this shit show. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't that's... know how these guys make it out of this anyway, you know, with the virus the way it is, but let's see. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. He looks like he's about to cock at any minute anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, look, I mean, I think there's, look, the Britain came within a whisker of Corbyn. I mean, he, he, he lost hands down in the end, but the very fact that he was the candidate was quite, was frightening as hell. You know, you had this, this avowed Marxist who was friends of Sinn Féin, um, the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, the, the guy was like about as anti-Western civilization as you can possibly find. Um, and he was yeah. the candidate. Now, when you think about it, if that whole election had taken... So, I don't know what Britain's going to look like in the next six months, but I have a suspicion they're going to have a really very difficult time because they have not prepared at all for this virus. That's going to hit people um, economically. It's going to hit the NHS service. It's going to be a very, very difficult time for them. In that environment, um, if they had elections coming up, let's say a couple of months after that, um, all cards are back on the table. Could someone like Corbyn win? Sure he could. Mm -hmm. And that's truly frightening. And the, the issue is that, that the US is literally where Britain was a few months back, except that the virus is now there and you've still got, and it hasn't yet really, it's over the next few weeks, you're going to, I'm convinced that the US is going to be state after right? state so. and elections are still coming. Exactly. And so you're going well, into I mean, this window it, that not only there is the, the, being the, the stock market downturn, um, which is probably bad enough, and like we said, because Trump's made his presidency all about the stock market. But secondly, you've got this other issue, which is going to hit people on every front. You know, people sitting at home, um, bitching and moaning, getting annoyed with each other. Ultimately, at some point, though, people will start self-quarantining if they, you know, even if the government doesn't yeah. step in and, and make that happen. Um, right. And you're going to have an overwhelmed um, medical service, and you've got a country that doesn't have essentially a universal medical you know, care for people. Um, now, I suspect the government will probably step in and say, oh, it's going to be free for everyone. But that just increases deficits. If you, if so, you can get in and they choose you to, to live, right? Because there isn't the, the, I mean. the capacity. Um, and so you, you immediately get into capacity constraints. It's not an issue of how many people would die yeah, relative correct. and all. It's like, it's just capacity. So, so in that environment, you're going to, like, you're either going to be midstream it or coming maybe topping out of it when the elections hit and i'm like Whew. and then uh, and the masses are going to turn to bread and circuses we know that from history right I, and so that's I a mean, big concern especially if the circuses are not there anymore because they're not even I programming mean, them <laughs> you know yeah, it's called mba and everyone else canceled what are you going to do right that's the people's entertainment they're going to go crazy 
the yeah. siren call of of um, socialism and Marxism is going to is going to yeah. sound quite good to many uneducated people, which is to say the vast populace. Um, yeah. And I don't mean that as yeah. in like uneducated. I just mean as in uneducated about history because the most people just it's 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 not something they it's not something that you necessarily have to know about until you have to know about it. and that might only happen every fifty years. Um, but yep. and, you know, most we people are. <laughs> couldn't. Yeah, yeah, we are exactly. Most people couldn't tell you about the Great Depression, what and what, what, what led you to that, or even what led the world into World War One or World War Two, and so on and so forth. They just, it's, it's fairly irrelevant um, until it is relevant to understand the the psychology and the economic circumstances that led to those events. Um, and shit, yeah, we are so um, interesting times. For sure. Um, have you got anything else that, that you have on your mind that you wanted to talk about? Oh, there's enough craziness out there. I think that covers kind of the bulk of it, you know, uh, but I think, you know, like we, said, like we said, I think there's some, some good things and there's some opportunities for people who've been waiting on the sidelines, realizing there was some madness in these markets anyways. Right. So, you know, I think uh, to be able to sit there and have some cash and some safety net, if people done that, you know, uh, hats off to them. Right. Um, it'll give people opportunities that they want to come in from the buy side and do course. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's nice to see, or short sellers finally got rewarded, right. You know, to actually not just have passive, uh, you know, income strategies and, you know, whatever being the ones that, uh, take the funds away, you know, that people can deploy their minds and their skill sets still, I think is pretty interesting to me. Um, you know, for those who've been able to pull it off and make money, right. I still think there's a value add and there's a good, combination of the man and the machine together you know as you said you know the guys can still drive the machine but the machine can certainly help them out along the way right so you know i find that just to be an interesting kind of um thing from my side right is that it's, it's, it's nice to see kind of the guys who've been dealing with this the whole way you know whether it's not for a reason they expected to actually happen uh, you know at least do all right but it's, it's nice to kind of at least respect that some people have had you know pretty good overall thought processes about this and you know, the extremes that we've seen, you know, from policy or other standpoints that have put us in this position, you know, for an excessive correction. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, Chris, yeah. it's been, um, as always a pleasure catching up with you and, um, let's keep good in luck, touch. Good luck. We look forward to the next publication or next chat, <laughs> you know, either way. Yeah. So, awesome. Always a pleasure.